Mr. Lounge, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're here, we're here, we're here with another edition of Coinology. Loving it. Coinology. And I'm sitting here today with my guest for today, D. Enric. Okay, I may mispronounce your last name. Delapo. <laughs> pronounce your full name for me. Delapo Aditukumbo Lookman Arikatola is my full name. But you can just say. <laughs> say it again, Delapo. Say it again. Delapo Aditukumbo Lookman Arikatola. Okay, so let me guess. Nigerian? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Which tribe in Nigeria? Yoruba tribe. Yoruba. Yes. Okay. Yes, so. Yoruba. Yes, so. Okay. So were you born and raised here? Uh, in uh, the Midwest, Chicago. Shout out to Chicago. Okay, Chi Town. So no wonder you chose Kanye. I'm, I'm a big Kanye fan. I'm a huge Kanye fan too. What is it about Kanye that you think that you have the most? Uh, what is it that y'all have in common, you and Kanye? Man, I love Kanye's confidence. Right or wrong, uh, he feels like he belongs and what he has to say, uh, people should hear it. I, lo I, I love that about him. I love the fact, too, that Kanye is walking to his own beat, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's saying he's crazy, but he's the one winning. He's the number one earning uh, musician that's out there. He's killing the game. And... Um, like I said, that confidence level that he has, mm -hmm. that's, uh, man, I love that. I think um, to, to be a genius, right, to be, to be what you consider one of the top talented 10, you are going to be misunderstood. You have to be, because if you're looking through the lens mm -hmm. that everyone can see, then you're not going to be a genius. You're going to be the norm. Yeah. You're going to be in that bell curve. But if you can look through a lens that you know, only you can make out what's out there, then, okay, you could either be a genius or a crazy person, mm -hmm. but you're in the two flats, right? You're not in the bell curve. You're you're in the um, outliers, and that's where he is. So, I think the other part to know about this is the miseducation of the people because the reality of it is if you're going the same as everybody else, you're going the wrong way. One thing I notice is that when I make decisions in business and life or anything, if the masses is going to the left, I'm going to go to the right. Mm. I, I mean, I can see that. I mean, I, you know, not to get too deep, but I think it depends on your season and where you are in your life. Because at the beginning, you're going to want to go with the masses to see what that's about. But once you figure it out that you can create your own lane, then you start to say, okay, I get what this is, and let me start making You have to be able to understand where everyone has been or going in order for you to make the right moves. So let's back up a bit, right? We just came straight in, dropping knowledge, right? You played some game, <laughs> and then we started going in with the questions. You got wine going Right, right, right. We're here chilling. So, but I, let's talk about who you are, because I know people are okay. going to say, well, who is he? Why should okay. we listen to him, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things I want to state that we're not talking to just Delapo, we're talking to Dr. Delapo, mm -hmm. right? You, yep. you had a number of years um, as a pharmaceutical executive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then you walked away from the pharmaceutical field and began as a re restaurant tour. Yep. Right? Two or three restaurants, lounge. How many do you have today? Uh, three. Three. One, no, one is out of town. The other mm -hmm. two are here in Atlanta, yep. right? That's right. So you are the owner of the Blue Lagoon. Yeah, one of the owners. One of the owners. Shout and out to my partners, Tony and Joe. Okay. Gotta give them love. Tony and Joe love. Mm -hmm. And then you're also the owner of the Havana Lounge. Yes. Shout out to my partner, Ade, my brother. He, okay. he owns it with me. Okay. So, yeah. And then you also have a... Um, Brewery in Chicago. Chicago. Shout Amazing. Amazing. To, uh, to Anthony and some of our other players. Yeah. Right, right. And I want to talk about that, too, as we get further about why it's important for partnerships, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then you decided to merge over into the space of film. Right, yeah. entertainment. Mm -hmm. So now, right now, you have about a good 10 films under your belt as an executive producer out yep. here. So you basically, so that people can follow me here, you excelled in the pharmaceutical space. You pivoted and excelled in the restaurant space, because if you don't know, uh, the Blue Lagoon is the place to go. Yeah, yeah. Right? 
It After is the number hours, one night spot in Atlanta. Right. For several years. Number yes. one. Mm-hmm. And now you're killing the game over in the entertainment space. For those who don't know, mm-hmm. Dee is also the executive producer of one of the top films that was uh, premiered last year, the year before, on BT. Yeah, um, BET and also Amazon, we had the number one independent film in the Mm -hmm. U.S. for about four months running. Karen. Uh, Karen. Karen, Karen. So I I just end this year's um, premiere at ABFF. One of your films is being premiered right behind Issa Rae's project, Mm -hmm. Scheme Queens. You're also the executive producer of that. Exactly, Exactly. Right, right. So, I mean, I know you have to be super busy. Super busy running uh, multiple restaurants and lounges and also overseeing a lot of these projects because a lot of people don't understand what executive producers Mm -hmm. do. So I think what I want to talk about is the the DNA behind um, the success because you're talking about three industries that have nothing to do with each other. And you're also talking about three industries that most people well, I'm going to say two industries that most people fail at. Because mm-hmm. I think most people, once they graduate from medical school or get their PhD, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. So failure. But I think in the in the restaurant um, industry, most people fail. In the entertainment industry, most people fail, mm-hmm. right? So let's talk about why those three industries first. Why those three industries? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So... You know, my background, actually, there's a fourth industry because I started off in computer science. Oh, wow. And, okay. Um, uh, there was a bubble. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was working for a company. And um, basically, I got laid off. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to reinvent myself. And that's when I went to school to be a healthcare professional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that change... Um, just allowed me to say, you know, I, I said, I don't want to do computers anymore. I, you know, I, I want to do something else. And I just enjoyed healthcare because of, you know, how you can impact people. I have a servant attitude or uh, position. So um, it was a natural progression. And I worked for several different companies and, and did well mm-hmm. in it. And um, so the I guess the, the the biggest change for me is when I moved from Atlanta to Charlotte I did you know mm-hmm. um, I took a contract in Charlotte and I just kind of missed Atlanta and I was coming back and forth um, every chance I got and I just said you know what let me just move back to Atlanta and and just walked away making a lot of money executive well, position you walked away from a lot of money because you money. missed Atlanta because it was just, I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I was making a lot of money, mm-hmm. everything was there, but I just wasn't happy. So one of the things I've heard a lot of with some of the um, folks that we've interviewed is that a majority of everybody walked away at the, at the pinnacle of their bag, mm-hmm. right? Without being concerned about being able to recreate it. Yeah, no, I, in my, and that it goes back to like that whole Kanye thing. Mm-hmm. I'm very confident that if you know the model, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what room they put you in. That's You'll right. You'll be able to execute it. So when I walked away, I, you know, obviously I was a little nervous, mm-hmm. you know, but I, you know, I said to myself, I'll be all right. And, you know, I, I just walked away. One of the things that, another thing, and if, if my viewers are paying attention, you're going to notice that the guests are saying the same thing and none of them have been in the same rooms. It's just that the, the success leaves clues, right? And one of the things that we continuously hear is that there is a model, there is a science to success. To success. Most people believe that success is sun, moon, and stars. I look up in the sky and I hope and wish, but there is a science to it. And once you know the science, you can be successful at whatever you do. And D is an example of that because he was successful in uh, the computer technology field. He was successful in pharmaceuticals. He was successful in the restaurant industry and now as an executive producer, mm. right? So let's, let's continue. So you walked away from a bag and moved back to Atlanta. Moved back to Atlanta and uh, was like, um, I did some contracting work. So I was mm-hmm. a gun for hire. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and uh, I, in that case, I was traveling around 80 to 90 percent of the time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I started dating this young lady that I knew from way back in college, mm -hmm. and she, you know, she had an issue with me traveling so much, and you know, and uh, and so there was an opportunity to you know, do something local and stay local. Mm -hmm. So I took that opportunity and that happened to be the restaurant. Okay. So you didn't have a desire to, to get into the restaurant industry. Actually, I didn't. It just, you know, you got to follow the universe. The universe mm -hmm. presented it. It's, it's a funny story. So okay. a buddy of mine, he owned a uh, cigar bar. Mm -hmm. It's a small cigar bar. And so his partner at the time was traveling. He asked me to come and kind of hang out at the bar, help him out. And he's doing his he's doing his thing. I'm helping him out, mm -hmm. and I look at the numbers. And that place, honestly, it looked empty all the time. Mm -hmm. So I looked at the numbers, and I said, "Is this right?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "You guys are making this much. It doesn't seem like there's anybody here." He's like, "That's right." I said, "Hey man, you want to open up a restaurant?" <laughs> and so wow. That's, that's how it started. That's you know, started. it's funny because shout out to the Bermuda Bar as well. One of my um, projects that I also am a minority owner in so and I know nothing about the restaurant industry nothing and I don't really even have a desire to I'm not a I'm not a um, partier. Hmm. So did you think that do you have to be a partier to really do what you do? No you don't but you you do have to be a grinder mm -hmm. like the mistake that a lot of people make you, you mentioned earlier that a lot of restaurants fail mm -hmm. and I think a lot of restaurants fail because there is a perception of what a boss is supposed to be. Okay. And that's not what the bosses I know, they don't operate like. Okay, so that's that's a good that's a good segue. So you didn't mm -hmm. took me all off my questions. Mm -hmm. So talk talk to me about what a boss is perceived and what it really is. Okay. okay so let's talk about that. So this is a common mistake mm -hmm. that a lot of entrepreneurs make when they open a business. So you open a business and you have an idea. Let's say you're selling widgets. It really doesn't matter what mm -hmm. you're selling, mm -hmm. right? The first thing you're going to do is you're going to spend money because you want an office, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Then you want to decorate that office, mm -hmm. right? And then you want to have a, an assistant. Mm -hmm. And you want to have all the trappings around that. Mm -hmm. And you haven't sold one single widget, <laughs> right? Yep. So you're taking all of your money mm -hmm. to present yourself a mm -hmm. certain way. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that's not what a boss is. Nope. When you start, most of the successful people that I know, and I'm sure there's arguments on the other sides, mm -hmm. but I'm talking about what I know. Mm -hmm. um, they started the business in their garage. That's they right. said, "I'm not going to I'm not going to spend that money, you know, uh, trying to do the front a brick and mortar. I started in my bedroom. I started in my kitchen. I started in my garage. I'll sell it out of my trunk. Mm -hmm. Those people who have that mindset that hey, I don't need to show people that I'm making it. They'll know when I They'll make it. They'll know it. They'll feel it. Um, they get it. Yeah, I'll tell you, you're right on, because I remember when I started in the industry, myself is in the PR industry. Initially, it was just me, mm -hmm. right? And then I ran into Quincy. And Quincy, for a long time, wanted to, to partner up and, 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 and support EPI Media Group. But I didn't have a, I didn't have a payroll, right? But he believed in what EPI was stood for. So for you know about a year or two, he supported what I was doing because he truly believed in the mission with no check. At the same time, by the way, I was working in my home office. We didn't move out of. Um, I think we started at EPI Media Group in 2013. We moved into our office space in 2018. So it was five years mm. that I worked in my home office. You know, I met with clients at Starbucks. I met with clients uh, at the 12. I met with clients here, there, here, and there. But once my client base had gotten to a point where I knew I was going to the next level, that I couldn't meet with Netflix at mm. Starbucks anymore. I couldn't meet with... So I took... But, but you earned the right, right at that point. I earned the right at that point. I had enough accounts at mm. that point. It made sense at that point. And... I knew next level required me to do that, right? Yeah. As a leader, you learn that you to scale. Mm -hmm. You have to not only make enough, but be able to sustain enough. 
and know that it's something that you can continue. And then as time went on, we added more staff and more staff. And I was still working out of that small office, and the staff was all on top of each mm-hmm. other, right? But I was like, okay, I'm not going to move into a bigger space with big until I know I can yet sustain that. Mm-hmm. So now we're going into our 10th year, mm-hmm. and then we moved into this space. So you're right. It was all about being patient, being consistent, and ensuring that you keep your eyes on your numbers. Because I don't believe anybody that's successful in business can run a business without knowing their numbers. Exactly. Right? And, so, and, and knowing every position, right? Every That's what I tell my staff, too. I tell them all the time. Everybody that's in here, I've done your job. Because mm-hmm. before you guys were here, it was just me. And I, I've got to share a story. So, mm-hmm. uh, Blue Lagoon. Mm-hmm. Um, very successful, mm-hmm. very busy, and um, like I said, shout out to my two uh, two partners. But all of us are successful in our own right. And you know, when we first opened the doors, I was bartending and mm-hmm. serving. My other you? partner, yeah. So you can make drinks. I can make every drink. I made the drink mix. So you could have made the lemon drops for today. Like I said, I can make some. Okay. Make some drinks. <laughs> you want to okay. cut? You want to go to break and let's see. If yeah, we, we should have had some. Hey. We should. <laughs> plan. Okay. But for real. Mm-hmm. So I was the bartender. I was the server. Mm-hmm. My other partner was the cook, and then my other partner was the floater. Mm-hmm. And we did that for several years. We didn't pay ourselves. Mm-hmm. And once the business took off, it really took off. Then we started to um, hire people. We paid them first mm-hmm. before we paid ourselves. Mm-hmm. And once it got to a point where, you know, we were bursting at the seams, then we hired in the new staff. And so I say that to say for a business, a restaurateur, you have to be able to cook everything on the menu, mm-hmm. serve every drink. If, you know, if the refrigerator goes out, I'm in the back of the refrigerator trying to figure mm-hmm, it out. Mm-hmm. It's not about having a new refrigerator. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. It's about fixing Say that again. It's not in the it's budget. It's not in the budget. in your budget in order to survive. Because right. you don't know what's around the corner. You don't. As an entrepreneur, you always got to work with a reserve in mind. So, okay, let's go back. You said there are some misconceptions of being a boss, right? Yep. So you said the first is the perception of being bigger than, than mm-hmm. life, right? Yep. What's, what's number two? Well, uh, it goes to what I just talked about. Um, typically, the boss sits in a chair in his office, and the boss is directed. Mm-hmm. But a real boss is going to know every position and know how to do all of those positions, and they're going to coach to bench strength, right? Mm-hmm. So if I have to leave or if I have to go out and do sales, the business will still succeed because I taught this person how, how to handle the bar, mm-hmm. this person how to handle this business. So... The misconception is you want to hoard the information and keep it, mm-hmm. but that's not what that is. Mm-hmm. It, a real boss is making sure everyone in the room is now getting to be smarter than you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't. I don't have a fear that I'm going to give away the secret recipe to an employee. Mm-hmm. If the employee knows how to run the business, it gives me more freedom. But you know, you can't, it's not just having the information that's going to make you successful. I can, I, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that's smarter than me that work mm-hmm. for me. And if it's all about being smart, then I'd be out of the job. It's about having the desire and being that conductor. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and the grit. And, yeah, and the grit. Right. right. Grit relationships too. Yeah. So, you know, um, putting that together as a boss, uh, you know, you have to be able to Create your bench strength. Mm-hmm. Know exactly what each position does. Mm-hmm. Know and knows how, and know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And then look at your numbers to make sure that when it's the right time to kind of scale, like you said, scale or mm-hmm. go to the next le- level, mm-hmm. you're able to do that without mm-hmm. compromising the business. That, and that's important. Most people don't keep that. They come in the game. So what we're talking about, most people come into the game wanting to look successful and not really being successful. Mm-hmm. Most people come in the game and don't know the numbers. They're just out here. They made a thousand. They spent two thousand mm. because again, they want to look more successful than what yeah. they are. Oh. And then, lastly, they don't really know the business, mm-hmm. right? So, how many people have you actually came in contact with who just want to look successful but really don't know what they're being successful in? And I agree with you. I think a good leader mentors. Um, a good leader builds their team, so their team is excited about coming to work. You know, one of the things that I um, pride ourselves on here is that everybody loves what they do. And I'm not saying they necessarily love me, 
They love what they do. We want to make the environment as enjoyable as possible. Um, and that's how you get the best out of your people, right? I agree. Right? You have to um, you have to send them out better than they came in. Mm-hmm. And whether that's teaching them about you know life outside of, let's say, your agency or outside of your restaurant, you've got to pour into them. And mm-hmm. then they know you care. Mm-hmm. It's not about the dollars. Mm-hmm. Because if it's about that, everybody's going to go. Whoever's paying me more, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. But what about... Um, you know, being family friendly. What about um, understanding what motivates somebody? And you know, those things are really important. And if you start feeding into your staff, they'll 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 mm-hmm. man, they'll move mountains for you. Move mountains. I can say that about my boy Fonz. Fonz moves mountains for me. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing about things too is that when you get to know your staff, understanding what their end goals are. Mm-hmm. If you can help your staff achieve their end goals. And they know that y'all are partnering and you're trying to get there at the end together. Mm-hmm. That's when you have a partnership versus a dictatorship. Yeah. Right? And I think that's where a lot of people struggle as because they think a boss means do this, do da 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 And I believe that we are a team, we are a family, and we operate like that. Now, I will say, I tell them, this is not a democracy. I do tell them. Okay. Yeah. I do, I do tell oh, well, they because know. If, they know when the I say it's done, it's done. Right? <laughs> right, Fonz? It's done? Do it this <laughs> you know, they can't have too many chiefs. But mm-hmm. to your point, mm-hmm. you know, you have to explain the whys and tell them why you're doing something. If you really value them, you just can't blindly say, do this. You've got to explain, hey, we're doing this because. Because. And you may not agree with me, but <laughs> trust that my experience has led me to move this way. And I do the same thing with my clients as well because I'm very vocal. I think you probably know that too because as a client. So I will tell you I agree or I don't agree. And But at the end of the day, it's up to the client to make the final decision. And however the client wants to move, that's how we're going to move, right? But I am going to say, D, I don't think that's a good idea. Right. Because I feel like that's what my clients are paying me for. They're paying me for my expertise. And so I think that's important. But let's talk a little bit about the executive producer. Okay. And I haven't heard that yet, by the way. D, that's a bad idea. Oh, you haven't? I haven't heard that yet. I thought we talked about that in that I session of day. One a couple of those projects. I said, D, I don't know about that. Really? When you you must not have heard me. When you pitched a couple of those projects and we were talking about and I said, D, I don't know about that. that. Okay. Yeah. It's not it was a, it was two, but to be exact. But guess what? <laughs> but guess what? They're sold. They sold okay. They sold. You know what? But this is the thing, I'm not always right. I think also the other thing is it may not be a good idea for me, hmm. right? Every project isn't for everybody. Everybody can't, but it doesn't mean Think about this. Starbucks got a thousand no's before they got a yes. Yeah, yeah. So for those a thousand people, mm-hmm. it wasn't for them. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Right. So you just have to find out what the you know what that flavor is for that person. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I truly believe if if there's an audience for everyone, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm. You know, for everything you have, there's an audience. There's an audience. There's but a- now this is the thing, though, as an executive producer, because I too am an executive producer. Mm-hmm. There, there is an audience for everything, but what I will have my name attached to has to be certain things because it represents you as a brand. Mm-hmm. You know how you have some executive producers out here that are known for um, creating messy mm-hmm. reality, yeah. um, you know, degradation towards African American mm-hmm. people that I, I don't ever want to be known mm-hmm. for that, right? It, to me, I always want to create content that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? and, and so we're assuming that, right? We're mm-hmm. assuming that you, you've taken that approach before creating the content. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're assuming, right? Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, in the field of executive producer, how do you know when there's a project that you want to sign your name to? I look at it like real estate. Mm-hmm. Whenever I buy a property... They, I don't care where it is, I ask myself one question, mm-hmm. and that is, can I live mm-hmm. in this particular property? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, then I have an opportunity to buy it. If the answer is no, I don't care how good it is, I walk away. Mm-hmm. I ask myself the same thing for commercial, commercial properties. If I look at it, can I open up a business here? Will I feel comfortable? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, then I move forward. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to um, movie production. 
I ask myself the same question: Will I will I sit down and watch this? Mm -hmm. Will 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 is, is this something that I will sit down and really consume? If the answer is yes, and I don't care because we have a gamut of what we'll watch. Right? Mm -hmm. We'll flip the channels. It, something will stop, and, and you'll stop on something. You'll watch it. So, if I feel like I'm clicking with that remote and finally I land on something, if it's got my interest and I say to myself, I will sit down and watch this, then I'm, I'm in. See, and I think this is where, and I, you know, I used to have a problem when, um, back in corporate, when people would say um, masculine versus feminine, I used to always kind of lean towards more and more masculine approach. I've mm -hmm. always, because I just, that's how I handle business. But this is where the feminine side of me probably jumps in in relation to business in comparison to you because mm -hmm. I'm a mother, mm -hmm. right, of two kids. And so I've had some really great opportunities presented to me, but the show content was not something that I would feel comfortable with my daughter turning on or my son turning mm -hmm. on and knowing that their mother was a part of that, right? And it was very sellable because it's something that it's very popular now, people are looking for, mm -hmm. but I could not co-sign that, right? And it probably, and, it, and, and so at that moment, I questioned, I'm like, okay, Ebony, you're being too emotional mm -hmm. instead of thinking business, because I know, I know that you can't have emotion at the negotiation table, right? You really can't. You can't, you can't, um, right? But, but I think we're saying the same thing, mm -hmm. because I didn't ask myself if I can sell it. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask myself that. I asked myself if I could watch it. And mm -hmm. if I could watch it, the assumption is I could watch it with a conscience of, you know, all of those things. Mm -hmm. You know, am I killing my community? Am I, you know, can my kids see it? Mm -hmm. You know, um, in their proper time, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. As kids grow, right? Mm -hmm. G, P, G, R, whatever. Um, so I asked myself, can I consume it before mm -hmm. I can sell it? If right. I can consume it, I automatically know I can sell it. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about emotions at the negotiation table. Mm -hmm. So, as you know, I'm known in the industry as a certified deal closer. Closer, right? yes. 98% of the deals across my desk, I close. Mm -hmm. Period, right? But what I tell people, that comes from the confidence that I have mm -hmm. in myself and my ability, but it also comes from educating myself. I never go to the table uneducated on the person that I'm sitting across from. Mm -hmm. So even from when you came into my office, mm -hmm. you probably, I knew all about you. I knew who you mm -hmm. were. I knew all the details. I knew about Kappa Alpha Psi. Mm -hmm. I knew about 100 black men. Shout out to Kappa. Okay, Kappa, 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 yo, yo, yo. And a shout out to all the Soroys, AKAs in the house, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Um, but I also knew about the Havana Lounge. So you have to know the person that you're sitting across the table from. The least amount that you know about that person and the least amount of confidence that you have, you're basically coming to the table ready to, to lose. You are, I mean, that's Sun Tzu. You ever mm -hmm. read The Art of War? That's yeah, really oh, what yeah. that is. So uh -huh. The Art of War, one of my favorite books, and, um, you know, that's how they used to, it used to be required reading in corporate America. Mm -hmm. But the opening passage, it, it's, it reads, um, and I'm going to chop it up, but mm -hmm. you, you're going you're gonna to get the takeaway. If you know, um, if you know, if you don't know yourself, and you don't know your opponent, opposition, yeah, you're gonna lose every battle. Lose. If you know yourself, but you don't know your opponent, for every battle won, there'll be a battle lost. Mm -hmm. But if you know yourself, and you know the opponent, you'll win every single time. Every single time, and this is what people don't realize: to win a deal, what you have to also know is. What is it that your opponent needs? Not about what you want to give, but if you understand what the LAPO needs are, then when you're structuring your deal, your deal will be structured in a format where it's a, I can't say no because I need that to be successful, right? But you have to understand the needs components, and that's what people, people wanna just show up at the table, they don't wanna do the research. And the research is what provides you the confidence to be able to sit across the table from anybody. Because when I say 98%, I'm not saying 98% with black women, I'm not saying 98% with black men, 
I'm seeing 98% with overall white, Asian, Hispanic. It does not matter. You have to understand um, who you're talking to and what their needs are and how you can be of value. And that's the problem I think a lot of the young entrepreneurs are miss. What value are you bringing to the table? Mm-hmm. Right? So... Now, don't let me start talking about this because I'm probably going to get some booze or some, <laughs> some likes. But this newer generation, mm-hmm. what I'm finding out is that there is a sense of entitlement. Oh. And um, <laughs> the way they look at the world is different from the way I look at the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, there's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Their, their way is right. My way is right for mm-hmm. me. But when we try to marry our approaches, that's when we bump heads. Mm-hmm. Because I'm from, let me put my backpack on, let me put on my work boots, and I, let me go get it done. That's just, if mm-hmm. you're not out there working, you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. Now, the younger generation, they're winning, mm-hmm. but they're winning with a different approach. But they're they, winning they come perception. In, perception. Well, some of them, the, the, the approach is, the world owes me. Mm-hmm. You, you owe me this. Mm-hmm. And they can take that and they can monetize it mm-hmm. I, in a way I can't. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think like that. Right. So I'm not mad at them. And it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just different. I don't, you know, I don't owe them anything. So when they come to me with that, I'm like, bro, we can't do business. We can't do business. Because that's just not how I operate. You can sell that to somebody else. I'm sure they're buying it. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to come work with me, you're going to be on time. Mm-hmm. You're going to know the product. You're going to know this. You're going to know that. Mm-hmm. And I don't owe you anything. Nothing. And I also believe that, um, and, I, and just so you know, I totally agree with that. I mean, I, I am like that with my own child. Mm-hmm. My son, you know, I brought him in to work at my agency. And it was really you starting from the ground up. And every, I'm probably harder on him than I am with everybody else in the mm-hmm. agency. Like, what are you doing? To, I never want him to have this entitlement that is it was handed to him or that it was easy. Because in the real world, it's not. It's not easy at all. But I think the other thing I would like to, to ask a lot of these newfound um, entrepreneurs too, D, is the sustainability. Mm-hmm. See, my question is, you have a lot of these, quote, unquote, millionaire Instagram folks or TikTok celebrities. What happens when the TikTok server crashes? What happens when Instagram is no longer a thing? What are you going to do to make can money? They, Whereas can the they pivot? can they pivot? Because reality is the businesses that you and I are in can be passed down generation to generation to generation. Can you pass down an Instagram profile to your kid? Can you? Like I said, I don't operate in their world, but you and I think differently. Mm-hmm. We think, or I'm assuming we think differently. Mm-hmm. We think, um, we think like chess. Meaning, I think five years, ten years, mm-hmm. twenty years down the line. Mm-hmm. If I make a decision, I'm not, I'm not making that decision for that day. I'm That's like, right. how is it going to impact me ten years down the mm-hmm. line? In the projects that I own, and I own a portion of every project that I'm a part of. Mm-hmm. And I own it in perpetuity. When I pass, my kids are going to be eating mm-hmm. off of that. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking down the line. Whereas, my understanding, the younger generation, they're not thinking like that. It's mm-hmm. what can I get right now. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't really sit down and be too worried about the next generation because I think they're going to be okay. It's evolution. But what... I do think about is how can I do business with them? How can I make sure that we can coexist and I do business with them? Because pretty soon what's going to happen is how we do business Mm -hmm. is going to begin to fade. You think? Oh, yeah. I know. This is what I will tell you is that one of the things that have made me as successful as I am in business is that I focus on the root cause and risk. Mm -hmm. If you understand the root cause of any issue and you come up with a plan for risk, you're going to be okay. That, to me, those are the two elements that every business owner need, need to have. I, I would agree. Mm-hmm. But I would say, like, 
I remember years ago, people were like, you got to jump on social media. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to jump on social media. But mm-hmm. now everybody has to. You have you to. Have to. You have to. And that's the evolution I'm talking about, where you understand, because that's their generation. Mm-hmm. And we had to incorporate it in how we do it. Mm-hmm. Walmart or brick and mortar mm-hmm. king. You got ate up by Amazon because they didn't move the way Amazon was moving. They didn't moving. move. That's right. So at the end of the day, if you don't start getting those pieces from that younger generation and incorporating it into how you do business, you're mm-hmm. going to be left behind, i.e. Um, blockbuster. Uh, blockbuster, right? Mm-hmm. So that's my fear to make sure... You know, I keep doing business my, my way, but I, I always have to be vigilant to understand how they think how they think, mm-hmm. and incorporate some of those pieces so I don't get left behind. And hence the reason why I keep so many millennials on my staff. Mm-hmm. It keeps me fresh. It keeps me young. It keeps me on my toes. And they keep me thinking about things that I would normally not think exactly. about. And one of the things that I was always big on, even when I was in corporate, was that you always need to have a diverse table. Mm-hmm. Most people think about diversity as the color thing, but to me, diversity is gender, it's background, it's sexuality, it's age, it's even um, financial demographics. Because I've had clients before where their main focus was a demographic that I had no idea how they lived because that was not my reality. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you surround yourself with those people. Um, you're you're a student and you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, you you... You know, I I mentor with one of the black men, mm-hmm. and I, I love mentoring. I love pouring into kids. I don't have a son myself, so, you know, just to pour into a young man to make sure that he's getting it, you know, I love it, you know. Um, now, was that an issue for you as a Nigerian man not to have a son? Are we going to go there? How just want to know. We got, I just want to know. We got a little bit of time. Hey, it, was that, wine away from her. She <laughs> no, was that, was that an issue for you? Um... <laughs> It is uh, so. Let me let me explain the reason okay. why it's important as an African man to have a son. Okay. Not only is it because of um, you know it carries the name, but you have to understand um, the origin of the countries in Africa. Mm-hmm. For the most part, we were. In agriculture, we were farmers, mm-hmm. and in order to work the farms, mm-hmm. you had to have men. Men, mm-hmm. which is why at the time we were able to marry multiple women. We mm-hmm. still can to this day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because of you know just having multiple women. Mm-hmm. It was because the more sons you had, the bigger your farm could be. The more you can work the farm, mm-hmm. so you could have multiple wives that would give you sons. To work the land. That's right. Okay. Right. So there is a, and through that, through evolution, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm I'm an American. I love being an American. But the difference is, like in the U.S., our culture was devised by a group of men in a room that said, "Hey, it's going to be this, this, and that." Mm-hmm. When you look at uh, let's say the Yoruba culture, it wasn't devised in a room. Mm-hmm. It evolved over time. Mm-hmm. I also am a huge believer that you never meet anybody by happenstance. I've met people, D, that I may have met back in 1992. And you don't understand why you met them. And then we may have ushered a deal together in 2022. And you finally realize this was why... Or you may have met somebody that you thought was going to be that person. Mm -hmm. And they really were just the connector to you meeting this person. Like, I I am a huge believer that whenever I meet someone new, I really sit back. As they're talking to me, I sit back and I really listen to um, the words that are being poured into me at that moment about that person. Because I realized that I didn't just meet D to be a client at EPI Media Group. Yeah. What the relationship is going to be, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that every relationship happens for a reason. For instance, I met Jennifer. Jennifer is a is a colleague that both of us know, mm-hmm. right? Jennifer is my business partner. Shout out to Jennifer. Jennifer is a beast. So I love amazing. Jennifer. So Jennifer. Amazing. Jennifer is yes. a beast. I met Jennifer early on in my agency's growth. Uh, I used to pitch clients 
to her, she worked on the Dr. Dollar show. This was back 2014 or so, right? <clears throat> and I met her. And at the time, I thought I was just meeting her as a contact for that network for me to pitch my clients to. Wouldn't even have thought that. Fast forward 10 years later, Jennifer and I are working on projects together. We're producing together. And she then introduced me to you. And who knows where that... You never know. I would have never thought this young lady who had this big, beautiful smile in the green room at Dr. Dollar's show would still be in my life today and that she and I would be ushering in deals together. And here's the thing about Hart. When I met Jennifer, Jennifer wanted to use one of my venues mm -hmm. to, to shoot uh, a film. That's mm -hmm. now she's sold, so... Jennifer is a beast. Jennifer Did you see her Saturday? Hey, she, yeah, she's doing her thing. Yeah. So um, that's how we met. And I said, well, you know what? I don't know you, mm -hmm. but guess what? Whatever you need, no charge. Mm -hmm. Jennifer then came and said, you know what? I don't need it now, but I'm good. But she would always call the check, check mm -hmm. in on me. Mm -hmm. And she, to me, that was a good heart. You know, I offered my venue free of charge, mm -hmm. but it didn't work out. She said, no. Uh, she didn't need it. She's going to film someplace else. But she checked in, and it just blossomed the way it was supposed mm -hmm. to blossom. I love people with good hearts. That is not they're not looking to take take take. You know, mm -hmm. she doesn't have a user spirit. Jennifer is a server. She's a servant. She's all about how can I help you? How can I give back to you? But I know I'm getting the 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 the, the hand gesture. Okay, hold okay. on, hold on, hold on. Okay. I'm not gonna let you off. You said you were a hip hop head. Yes, you yes. Off with uh oh. Some, some, so I need to hear your top five. I'm not going to let you off without hearing My that. top five. Now, I'm going to give you my top five. My top five artists? Yeah, your top oh, five. Y'all not ready for mine, though. Number one. Oh, you want to go ahead and go first or you want me to go? No, we'll, we'll say mine because I, my, okay. I think mine is going to be controversial. So you want me to go from one to five or five to one? Okay, five to one. Okay. Five. Big Daddy Kane. Oh, we already going to bump heads. Go ahead. Okay, we're going to bump heads. Number five. Uh, number two, uh, I mean, uh, no, no, number five, number, number four, four. Mm -hmm. number four, I would say MC Light. MC Light was a lyricist. Okay. You can't I, take I, away I, from her. Paper Thin, I ain't mad Paper Thin is no joke, mm -hmm. okay? Um, you know, I knew that, see? I'm listening. I'm, I'm, I'm right? Number three, Drake. I love Drake. Drake is a beast. Okay. Number four, I mean, no, number two, yay. Okay. You, you, you reeled me back in. I'm Okay. And number one, KRS One. What you know about KRS One? I'm not mad because I am a philosopher. I'm yeah, not mad. KRS One. Okay. Now, I know I skipped Jay. Jay's in there. I, I know it was wrong. But I, I, I don't know how I did that. I may need to take Biggie, Big Daddy Kane, and I also left my boy Jay out. Mm -hmm. Jay and um I and everybody else about Tupac. Tupac was okay as a lyricist, right? But Jay-Z, uh, I'm gonna tell you who else was dope. LL Cool J was dope. Lyricist now. I'm talking about lyrically LL Cool J was dope. Mm -hmm. Um I'm gonna be honest with you, Kumo D was dope. If you I'm talking about listen to the lyrics of what in telling the story and of course Biggie. Mm -hmm. I feel like five wasn't enough because it's just so many dope lyricists out here. And I didn't even give my girl Nikki. Y'all mad, but Nikki can tell a story and the way that she can morph her words. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this. I'm going to hand it over to you. Y'all may not like this. Wayne does is not a lyricist, but Wayne has a way to get you so freaking hot. He's a way to be able to turn a word that don't even exist into a word and a phrase. I just, I'm a hip hop head. So what about you? Okay. So she <laughs> gave her top 20. I know. I, could, I, I couldn't I'll, stop. I'll give my top five. <laughs> I'll give my top five. Uh, you know, I, I like um, when you said Big Daddy, Big Daddy had a nemesis, and that nemesis is in my top five. Okay. And Who on D? No, 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 no. His nemesis, Big Daddy's nemesis was uh, um, Rakim. Oh, Rakim. Rakim. Yeah, Rakim. Yes. Rakim is, he's a teacher. Yeah, he's, you're he's right. He's always going to be on my list. He is know? dope. He's dope. Definitely number five. He mm -hmm. used to be like number three, but he, you know, number five. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I also have to, and I, I wouldn't say no particular order. It depends on the day of the week and how I'm feeling because, you know, each, you know, mm-hmm. artist, you know, can pull something else out of me. But I would say Rakim. I would say uh, Tupac. I had a chance to meet Tupac. Tupac it was it was a dope person. You but I'm talking about lyricists. You going to vet my top five? Brenda had a baby. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to stop before they get me. You know, <laughs> and, and here's what's so crazy. If you go out of the U.S. now mm-hmm. and ask someone about Biggie or Tupac, they're going to ask you who's Biggie, and they're going to say, yeah, I know Tupac. Tupac is more worldwide. Than yeah, me. yeah. It's, it's, Tupac but listen. is on a whole nother level. And... Mm-hmm. If you if you're truly a hip hop head, which I know you are, mm-hmm. you understand the three pillars of hip hop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just the lyrics; it's about the art, and it's also about the the, the ex- physical expression mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. So when Machiavelli I think and so forth, when right? I think of Tupac and how he was thinking, he's definitely there. And and check this out though: I think that to your point, Tupac would be someone that they study a, a hundred years from now, mm-hmm. right? They have classes on Tupac, exactly. right? So okay, you said Tupac. Who else? Um, so I can't say Tupac without Biggie because to me, as it relates to wordplay, nobody storyteller, right? Nobody's better. Than no. Biggie. Well, I'm gonna tell you who else was dope as a storyteller. Um, uh, was it knock him out the box? Then no, oh, Slick Rick. Slick Rick. Slick Rick. Yeah. Back in it, he told a story like you would listen to his song from beginning to the end. Okay, so um, who else you got? <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be an hour show. Just get to my top five, but that's okay. We got time. Uh-huh. So Rockham, we've got uh, Tupac, we've got Biggie. Okay. Um, we've got so I've got two more. Then we've got um, I've got to put uh, Drake in there. Yes. You know and. So Drake is kind of like on the corner because is Drake and Nas to me. Oh yeah, how did I forget Nas? So I'm oh just my God. Gonna, I'm just gonna say number two is like Drake and Nas. Okay. And so then, you cheated too. So go ahead. Yeah, I, well, I have six <laughs> in the five. You can't really do five. Okay. And number one, without a doubt, man, stand up Chicago, Kanye, Kanye West. All day, number one. But let me ask you this. I think it qualifies if your people don't have ghostwriters. And I know a couple of people on that list are in question. Who, who's in question? I don't even want to say because it's going to break my heart. Who's in question? Go but ahead. But you know, that was where um, Pusha, Pusha T came in on Drake. He oh, said, okay, okay, yeah. So, and, so. and your boy Ye was also, they said, you know, it was a no, little. No, no, no. no, they, no. That was no, the no, word no, on no, the no. block. No, no, no. Let me clarify that. Ghostwriters can't no, come. I'm a real lyricist, no, though. Don't, don't do that. Okay, so what's the deal on that? What's the deal on that? Drake is the, I mean, Ye is the king of collab. So what he'll do is he'll come, he'll write, and mm-hmm. then he'll allow people to add on to mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Like, uh, Jay-Z will take his stuff and he'll spit it, and he doesn't allow anybody else to add on to it. You didn't mention Jay, though. I didn't. And that Why? was because... For Jay, I can appreciate Jay, and Jay is almost like a cult movement. Mm-hmm. But when when everything's all said and done, I don't go back and listen to Jay. So Are you I, what? I, I, I really I'm don't. questioning I your hip hop no, credentials no, no, no. at hit, this hit, point. Hit, hit me out. Hit me out. Hit me out. And what <laughs> I mean by that is, for I know Jay's song, but I don't go back and listen and say, "Oh yeah, I get it." I get. I do that. I do that. Hold on. I do that with Yay stuff. I'm like, I missed that. I mm-hmm. missed that. Okay, now I see where he was going. I even do that with Drake stuff. But with with Jay Z, I think his stuff is more. He's clever with the time, mm-hmm. and he's always on time with his stuff. All of his stuff mm-hmm. has good timing. But and it's good to listen. I mean, I own Night Spots, so we play his stuff all the time. But you play Jay, people go off. But when you play something that like Kanye, people will tear your your place up. It's you and totally I up. are going to disagree on Jay. We, we can because I'm a Jay. Jay's in the top ten, but he's not in my top five. Let me tell you. But I'm gonna ask you this before we close out. One of the biggest verses ever. People was very surprised where I stood. Gucci Man versus Jeezy. Who you who you got? I, don't be mad, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, Gucci a fool. 
I, I, he, he the man. Okay. Me and you got a lot in common, D, because everybody was shocked that I was for Gucci. They was like, you, you. They, they judged me, D, because I like Gucci. And I thought that, to me, I can't think of a real hit that Jeezy had that I bopped my head to. I'm being honest with you, that I bopped my head to in the car. But you talk, you turn on Lemonade by Gucci, I'm going But off. I will say they're very, very close. And no. It depends on your, they're very, very close. Shout Not out to all. Solomon. I know everybody <laughs> in that camp. But um, it's very, but I'm, I'm, I, I like Gucci better. I like Gucci. I like Lotto. I like y'all. Okay. I like this Pooh Shiesty dude. My son turned me on to Pooh Shiesty. You know Pooh Shiesty? I know Pooh I, I, I hope, you know, his time, you know, whatever happens in that situation. But you know what's so funny is that Pooh sounds just like Gucci. And I think that's why I like him. Hmm. I love Gucci. Gucci is my dude. Yeah, he's he's, he's, he's my dude, and I think I'm gonna produce his story. And I think for me, it's again you have to be likable, and I like him and his girl and how he operated love with it. his girl. That's love it. Pushes him over the top. And I love the respect. He always puts her on the pedestal. He respects her. Now some of this, you know, but I'm gonna keep that. But I love the way he puts her on a pedestal as his wife. So I think okay, that's I'm gonna dope. Give you, okay, so you got your, your, your hip-hop card. I'm, mm-hmm. You got it back because it was, it was, you know. Oh, it was never questionable. <laughs> <laughs> Let him know, Fonz. It was never in question. I'm questioning you when you say Jay now because that I right there Jay makes me look at you. 10. No, I said Jay is in the top ten, but I can't put Jay in my top five, and there's nothing wrong with it. Jay is, yeah. a, he's, he's, he's cool. You're right. But if... If you ask any, and I'm more Nas when when the whole thing Nas. back and forth, I was I, I sided with Nas. Uh-huh. Nas came out with Nas. Ether. I was like, there's nothing he, Jay could oh, ever say to me. He killed it. Only reason why Jay won is because he was able to say, "I had your girl." That's it. Yeah. That that shut it down. Was nothing else you can say <laughs> behind that? But Ether was amazing. I still but play Ether to this. It's on my um, workout list. Yeah. Well, it's just like Remy. And Nikki, the truth of the matter is, Remy is a harder lyricist, but Nikki came in, and I still listen to No Frauds. No Frauds is a jam to me. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes, like you said, it's not just about the lyricist because Nikki's a much bigger star than Remy has mm-hmm. become, and I think that Remy is a dope lyricist. Mm-hmm. So it's the whole whole thing, but. Um, I enjoyed you being here today. I, en- I enjoyed you, and um, you you know what you're talking about related to hip hop and business. Um, I'm very impressed. So thank anytime, you. I'd love to come and and just share knowledge. And I love this platform. Just keep doing what you're doing. Very well, impressive. thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Coinology. And we have my boy D. Stay tuned because we're about to do a lot of great things with D. Um, moving forward, and we're about to take it out of here, right, Fonz? Let's take it out. Let's go. Go.